Welcome to the Eternal Connection, a radio broadcast ministry of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska. Whether it be through prescribed behaviors, rituals, or practices, every religion in the world teaches that if we desire to know God, it is our responsibility to find Him and know Him. Christianity, however, teaches something very different. Christianity teaches that God has come to us and has revealed His love for us by putting on flesh in Jesus Christ and by giving us His Word through which He continues to speak to us today. We're glad you've joined us as Pastor Jay continues leading us through the Bible right here, right now on The Eternal Connection. And once again, you are eternally connected. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Pastor Eric Jay from St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska, where we are bearing with it. Gentlemen, Chip, Jason, we're in studio. The uh, It's a little late coming this year, but the heat is on. Yes, There's it is. There's no doubt about that. And um, we're glad that you can join us. Hopefully you're staying cool out there. Um, other than dealing with the heat, guys, what's been new in your life? Well, I love the heat. We took a fun trip to a water park, and uh, yeah, that was a good family excursion for the summer before school gets back in full swing soon. Yeah, speaking of school. Right? <laughs> it's upon us. It is uh, ready or not. Here we come. St. Mark Lutheran School, K-5 through school opening in uh, three whole days. Uh, awesome. But praise the Lord, um, we are ready to go. Students enrolled, our facility is ready, and today, actually, in our service, we are dedicating our school and installing our teachers uh, officially in service, and, and we say install because we're installing them into the office of teacher, um, that they have a, a holy vocation, especially in a Christian Lutheran school, not just to teach knowledge, uh, but through that knowledge to reveal the Lord and Savior, because he's the one from whom all knowledge comes. So uh, we rejoice in you celebrating with us as we thank and praise God for his wonderful work. Because if you know anything about when this crazy idea of a school got started, it was not in our original plan, but the Lord <laughs> miraculously provided yes, teachers and a whole bunch of other stuff that really just confirmed uh, this is his will for, for us at St. Mark, and we couldn't be more thrilled to do it. And we couldn't be more excited about the new series we started last week, uh, a mini-series, a 10-part series on people of the book. Last time we were really sure what we were going to name it. Um, we thought about significant saints of Scripture because pastors love alliteration. And <laughs> <laughs> that's just what we do. Um, but then after last episode, the first person of the Bible we dealt with was God because, mm -hmm. as we talked about, he is a person but not a saint. <laughs> so we had to change the title. So people of the book, um, a 10-part installation we're going to be looking at uh, today, continuing to look at Adam and Eve. We talked with uh, about them a little bit. Talked with them. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? We talked about them uh, a little bit last time. We're going to be getting more into uh, them and the temptation and the devil, and then we're going to move on to the patriarchs, Ad, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses. Then we're going to be going on to Samuel and looking at uh, Isaiah as examples of prophets, King David, King Saul, then moving on to intertestamental folks, Mary, Joseph, Elizabeth, uh, Zechariah, John the Baptist, to the disciples, to Paul, and then to the church. Whew. 
So it's well, going to be a good series. Lots to talk about, lots to look at as far as the people of the book, which we pray you are through faith in Jesus and his word. Well, I um, thought that a good listener question idea for this miniseries would be, if you could ask any of these people a question, what would it be? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I mean, we can't talk with them today. We get to read their their word and their history. Mm-hmm. But if you could ask them anything, what would that be, uh, you know, as we go through the different folks? Yeah, and if you have any questions, I mean, that, that question, if you have any questions at all, you guys can contact us by going to eternalconnectionradio.com or emailing connect at eternalconnectionradio.com. All right, we've got a show to do, so we're going to jump into Genesis chapter 2, the tail end there, and do a quick summary of uh, the detailed account of the creation of man and woman and then continue into chapter 3. Before that, Chip, pray for us. Okay. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, your word that was given that we could have a relationship, an eternal one, with you, only because of your word, whose name is Jesus, what he did for us. This morning, guide us as we see you point us to Jesus, even from the very beginning of your creation. We pray in his name, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, so as a quick recap on Adam and Eve, a story that I hope most of you are at least generally familiar with listening. Uh, Adam uh, and Eve were created after everything else in creation was made other than them, meaning all the beasts, the birds, the plants, the seas, the oceans. And everything else was created by the word of God, the what we call in theology the performative word, meaning if God says it, it happens. If he says it, it's, it exists simply because he says it. Um, different with Adam, though, Adam was made from the dust of the ground, as we read, and God formed him himself. Uh, didn't just speak out into creation and it became no God, literally got into the dirt and formed Adam, and it says, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. So that word there, breath, is the same word as spirit in the Hebrew. And so it's not just a breath uh, as if God has human form. He doesn't. It's, it's an anthropomorphic way of saying that God personally put life, his life, just like his breath, Mm -hmm. into Adam, and that's what gave Adam life. And unlike all the other creatures that he made, including the beasts of the earth that he gave the breath of life to, he did not give dominion to them. He gave dominion to Adam and Eve and put them, as it recounts in Genesis chapter 2 in verse 8, he put them in the garden and gave him responsibilities, Right, gave him dominion. That's what we read at the end of of chapter 1. As in Adam gave him dominion, is that the same as? No, God gave Adam dominion. Right, that's what I meant, sorry. Yeah. God gave Adam dominion over Everything. earth, mm-hmm. as in kind of um, the ruler at the time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hmm. They, they were in charge of caring for it, tending to this garden that God had put in place. So not only tending to the uh, the earth itself, but with that command to that we're going to get to, to multiply and subdue the earth, to fill it, right? To really, on behalf of God himself, being made in his image, rule 
creation. Now, that ruling is insofar as God is the creator, right? And Adam is sharing in this image of God. He's not God. And you have some religions that get that confused pretty quick, like Mormonism. Um, But Adam was invited into this relationship of the Godhead and participation and existence with God as, as the image. So even Adam was in relationship, like we talked about last time, with Eve, right? So he was to exist in relationship and have dominion through that relationship, just as God exists in the Holy Trinity and has dominion through that relationship over all things. So God took man and put him in the garden in verse 15. And after a while, another three verses, we get to the first time ever in the creation account that the first person of all, God himself, three persons in one, says something is not good. In verse 18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone meaning Adam, right? So Eve hasn't been made yet. And this is important. The command to have dominion has already been given to Adam. That's who was entrusted with the command, with the instructions. He was given the knowledge of who and what he was and for what purpose he was made. But it wasn't good that he was alone. Now, everything else, after you read every account of creation, there was evening, morning, God saw that it was good. It was good. It was good. It was good. Here we have something God made, and is God himself actually saying that he didn't make a a good human being? Well, I don't think, I didn't read it as he didn't make a good human being. He just didn't want them to be alone. Good, yeah, and that's an important distinction, right? So Adam's quality was perfect, but it wasn't good that he was all by himself. And what does that tell us about our existence as humanity? That our existence as people, what does that tell us? Well, we aren't complete without him, without a relationship with our Heavenly Father who created us. Yeah, we aren't complete without him. So, I mean, that really brings up the, the further challenge. Was was Adam really alone? Well, he. I mean... Before yeah. Eve came about, was Adam alone? Who yeah. else was there with him? God. He had God. <laughs> yeah, so hmm. it says God said that it's not good that he should be alone. Was God not enough for Adam? Well, that wasn't, uh, based on what we've read so far, Adam didn't state that. God did. Yeah. Yeah, so what? what's he communicating to us? That's what we're supposed to learn from this, right? What is not good that we're alone? Because he's not technically alone. He has God with him. Yeah, but God's not standing there with him. I mean, from from my knowledge, I don't see it as where we're at so far that God's there hanging out, you know, playing ball in a role of a, of a friendship or a companion. <laughs> true. Like, true. That's like, probably true. true. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, so good. Adam as a human being. Right. That's where I was was created for relationship with a human being, just like God himself in his existence doesn't exist alone. Do you think that this, I mean, this is certainly just speculation, but did God, you know, is it possible that God created man, you know, maybe because he was somewhat alone? No, 
No, no. God has that would suggest that God has needs and that He's not completely self sufficient, and He's not alone. Right? We stressed that last time. He says, "Let us make man in our image." God doesn't exist by himself. That's the whole point of starting the People of the Bible series with the first person who is God in three persons. I think what we want to get to is when we when we continue reading, as is always the answer in verse 18, I will make him a helper fit for him. Now, there's two important distinctions there. God's there, but he's not a helper. <laughs> he's God, right? So our existence with God is distinct from our, 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 our relationship with God is distinct from our relationship with one another. Our relationships with each other serve our relationship with him. And this is what I stress in premarital counseling all the time. We were created for relationship, not just for the sake of having them, but for the sake of better understanding our relationship with God in whose image we were made. Because Adam by himself could not procreate. By design, right? he had to have Eve, not just to help him with procreation, but to help him in subduing, to help him in having dominion. And, you know, that uh, struck a thought there. Eve needed Adam to create. You, you have a, a man made by God, mm-hmm. a woman made because of the companionship need, Right, mm-hmm. but and they're they can't create procreate without one another. Right by design, right, and that's the emphasis that God did not intend for Adam to exist by himself, nor did He make it possible to to exist in the purpose for which He was made. He was made to have dominion and subdue, and God set it up a specific way to do that. And what this also does is remind us of the purpose for which we were made. Our relationships exist, the purpose for which everything exists, and that is to understand God himself, to know him. So Adam's relationship with Eve serves the purpose not of just their union, not just of marriage, but the purpose of that marriage in and of itself serving our relationship with God. How can we understand the God in whose image we are made unless we, we are in relationship? Because he's in relationship. How do we understand the God in whose image we were made unless we have dominion? Because he has dominion. How do we understand the God who made us unless we have the ability to create? Because that's what he does. So God has given us all of this not for it to be an end in itself, and that is what gives eternal meaning and purpose to everything in life, is when you finally get it and you understand that it all is there to serve him, not only is that when you will start to really truly see him, but that's when you really truly start to have the satisfaction in life that God created us for. And going back to what you said, Jason, um, it is this circle of, uh, of meaning where... Adam isn't good by himself. He needs a helper, but yet Eve needs someone to help. They're one, right? For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and become one flesh. They exist and have dominion together as one. They produce a child, father, mother, child, father, son, Holy Spirit. You start to get the picture of our existence as the crowning achievement of creation. 
what makes us distinct from everything else and why I think all of us innately believe, rightly, there is something far beyond just the physical aspects of this life that built into us somehow. There is meaning and purpose that transcends anything that we can understand. It brings up a a bigger picture, you know, in, in modern day today, you know, we get together as families, but if you were to trace back the family tree, they would all have to ultimately end up under Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. And so that's where you get the doctrine of original sin, that we're sinful by nature. We are all descendants of them. And that's where we're going next is of course their fall into sin. Um, but yes, um, we all come from that initial Adam and Eve. I think the other thing that this emphasizes, especially as we transition into chapter three and the fall of humanity is exactly what broke down. And you're not going to understand what sin is. You're not going to understand how we fell and why we fell and really why we continue to be sinners unless you first understand the reason for which we and everything else was made. And it was made to be in relationship with God. Not unto ourselves, not for ourselves, but living life for and back to the one whom gave us life. And as we look to chapter 3 and what the devil actually tempted Adam and Eve with, which is the same thing he tempts us with every day, just in different ways, right. in different times and different people. The devil's striking at the heart of that relationship, of that understanding that everything we are doesn't exist for us. It exists for him because it's all from him. When the devil tempts Adam and Eve, what he says is, did God actually say you'll not eat of any tree in the garden in verse 1? The woman said, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God did say, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Now, with one small variation that we don't have time to get into, true statement from Eve. Yes. But the serpent said, and here it comes, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil which you could sum up by saying, no, you see, really, if you eat the fruit, you don't have to live for God anymore. You can live for you. You'll know what he knows. You'll be God. You'll be God. And I don't know how anybody misses that that is at the root of all sin. That is what the devil went after because even he knows that's the only way to properly understand anything in life is that it's all from him and to him. And when you get that order wrong, everything becomes meaningless and everything breaks down. But th thinking that we're God in control is still very common today. Um, it's been common every day since the fall. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I feel like it's one of the easiest things as a human to, to lose track of is, um, you know, who's, who's really in control of the day, the plan, the week, the month, the year, uh, your breath. Yeah. All of that. Yeah. I, I mean, we could sit here for hours and talk about what all of that is. Yeah. And the other, uh, who's really in control is, is interesting you bring that up because 
as I said earlier, who did God give the instructions to? Adam. 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 So how did Eve know what God said about eating this tree and not the others? Adam would have had to educate her. Adam would have had to tell her. So as we stressed in last episode, they were equal in value in the image of God, but but God clearly set up in order. And the order was, Adam, you're the head of the household. I'm giving you these instructions. I expect you to pass that on. Eve, he can't do it by himself. You're here to help him do that. And really, what happens in the Garden of Eden is the order is disrupted. Why aren't we hearing anything from Adam this whole time, by the way? He's silent, and I think that screams off the page. And to fast forward to the end of the temptation, once Adam and Eve go and hide because they hear the Lord walking in the cool of the day and they're ashamed of their sin, even though Eve was the one that was deceived and took the fruit first, Adam is the one who's called into account, not Eve. And the first thing he does is throw her on the. That's right. The first thing he does is blame her. This woman you gave me, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. He, well, yeah. He, he, he blames God. He blames God as yeah. well. Yeah. So the order is so important. Not not just in in marriage and not just in the church, but order in your life. Going back to what you said, Jason, it, the day I wake up and forget that I'm only opening my eyes this morning, because the God of all creation has given me life. No matter what's going on today and how hard it may very well be, that is what gives me hope. If I believe that somehow I have breath because of any other reason than it's a gift of God, I, I don't have much hope left for the day. That's the order. It's always him first, everything else second. And as we look at the people of the Bible and the story of God's salvation, that's what's going to constantly cause sin is is not remembering who's first who's the first person in all creation father son and holy spirit period well and the fact that he knows us intimately because he created us you know i've been re reading and rereading uh, psalm 139 lately it's just mm. been uh, on my mind and in my heart and my favorite one of my favorite verses of the bible is in Psalm 139, 16, where it says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet none of them was made. Mm-hmm. And it, the, the intimacy of that relationship of creator to created, anytime that we start forgetting whose we are mm-hmm. and who, who provides us everything, that's when trouble shows up. Mm-hmm. And this is brought out even in Jesus' words, what you just said reminded me of that. All the, the, the parables that Jesus tells about the judgment, right, especially mm-hmm. the, the ten virgins, right? Um, you know, they, they go off and they get their other oil because they ran out, and they knock on the door, and, and what does he say? Depart from me, I never knew you. Knew you. You see, it's not about a knowledge of God. It's not necessarily understanding him. It's does he know you? And the way, the only way we know that is if he is the one we call God and Lord. He's first. That's what it's all about. Back up there to the part where he says, uh, does he know you? Mm-hmm. And I struggled with that because he always knows us. 
from what I understood, it's the other way around. We struggle with knowing him. Right. And, and he is our creator. He clearly knows us, right? And, and it is an enigmatic saying, a mysterious saying of Jesus when he says that. But what it does is it forces us to reconsider, do I just know about God or am I in a relationship with him? Is he God in my life or is he just the God I know that's there? Because everybody knows that, right? Well, I mean, there's a lot of denial. Sure, there's a lot of denial, but you can't deny something you don't know. <laughs> Yeah, this is what Romans 1 says. God's made it clear that he's here. You may not know him personally, and that's that's what leads to damnation. That's what Jesus means when he says, I didn't know you. Of course I know who you are. I made you, but I, I've been standing at the door knocking. You never open. You, you heard my word preached. I don't know how many times and how much other stuff did you allow to just pile up before it? And yet he keeps coming, even now, right? through the word that we read. It's so important as people of the book, as people of the Bible, to remember that we are only people of anything because the almighty creator God has graciously given us life, even as sinners, and that his promise is, I'm going to keep giving you life eternal through faith and trust in what I have done for you, just like Adam and Eve did nothing to be created. We don't have to do anything to have that life that he gives us. We have to simply receive it in Christ. It's a lot, um, I mean, it sounds scarier than it really is, you know. Which part sounds scary? Uh, Getting to know God. Oh, sure. Well, that's a good sign because that means you're well aware of your sin. You know, and and I think uh, we've said this before, or at least I have, but sometimes, you know, when something's really scary, you you avoid it. Sure. And and maybe, you know, once you just get started just a little tiny bit with something scary and realize it's not as scary as you think, it's a little easier to to continue to, to walk into that. Well, that's why we preach, as Paul says, we preach Christ crucified. That's first, because who who is this God you know is real? He's the God that dies for you. He's the God that takes your sin away from you. He's the God that, that as we're going to read about, <clears throat> as, as we are reading about this weekend, um, and, and have been, the parables where there's the lost the lost pearl, right? And, and he sells everything and uh, finds the treasure and, and sells all that he has to buy it. This is a God who gives up his only son to have a relationship with you. Yes, that initial law frightens the sinner in us. But then when we look to Christ, who's the fulfillment of that law, hopefully that fear goes away. And all you need to know about God is that he so loved you that he gave his son. And that faith in Jesus saves. The rest will follow. You've got an eternity to know God. But it starts with calling him God, number one, acknowledging him as that, believing his word when he says, I've done it, and letting that be first. We pray our time together in God's Word has been a blessing to you and to your faith in Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior of the world. 
If you enjoy listening to our program, we would love to hear from you. Go to eternalconnectionradio.com. To find our full episode archive, contact us, let us know you enjoy the show, or ask a question that Pastor Jay will answer on the air. God bless all of you. We look forward to connecting with you again next Sunday on The Eternal Connection.